Welcome to another In Wheel Time podcast, a 30-minute mini version of the In Wheel Time car show that airs live every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central. Celebrating 10 years of award-winning car talk, this is the In Wheel Time Car Show, your weekly go-to all-things automotive place. So glad that you could join us along with Mike out of this world, Mars, King Conrad DeLong, and Jeff Zekin. I'm Don Armstrong. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, before we get to our next guest, I wanted to uh, do the cruise-in calendar. And Listen, the cruise-in thing is hopping, man. Yeah, there's and the first one that happening. I wanted to tell you about and bring to your attention again is the Tailpipes and Tacos. Now, Something new. Four locations on April the 17th. We will be broadcasting from the what is called the West University downtown location over on Kirby Drive and 59 the Southwest Freeway. Okay, that's your turn for the cruise-in. So the Woodlands Car Club is having their 20th anniversary event on April 10th. And remember, the Woodlands Car Club, they're the ones who kind of co- who do coordinate the Woodlands Cars and Coffee for a Cars, raising... For uh, a cause. For a cause, yeah. Uh, raising uh, money for charities. Uh, this year, they're going to do the Le- Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, uh, the Assistance League, and Yes to the Youth. So uh, they, they have their car shows, and uh, the, the money that they raise from it goes to great causes. And we want to give them a shout-out. Um, April 11th, uh, Houston Performance Driving is going to have their Twin Peaks meet in Webster at the Twin Peaks restaurant, and that starts at 11 a.m. The Lone Star Rod and Custom Roundup in Austin, Texas is April 16th, uh, 16th through the 18th, and then Saturday, Saturday, April 17th, the third annual Blue Bonnet Cruise celebrating National Mustang Day. And I know we have a big Mustang following of people, um, you know, some thanks to Randy Weldon. Worldwide. Worldwide, that's right. Uh, and that's going to start from the Bucky's in a Waller, and uh, the meetup at Buc- the departure time at Bucky's is 8:30 a.m. So the meetup is prior to that. Also on April the 17th, the Camaro Car Show at the Kima Boardwalk. On Sunday the 18th, the Low Life First Annual Car and Drift Show. <laughs> Low Life at Speed Sports Racing Park. Will we be there in North Houston? <laughs> April the 25th is the 27th annual Tomball Lions Club car show. Uh, it was, uh, and it's going to be at the Tomball High School football stadium. All right. Thank you, sir. Our guest uh, this uh, segment is Mike Copley, and he is with Pure Cars. And, uh, Mike, uh, good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, good to see you, and uh Good to be on the air in Houston. Well, uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So uh, give us a, a two-sentence, maybe a small paragraph of what, what Pure Cars is. Yeah, so we're a data company that supports uh, a couple thousand automotive dealerships around the country um, with data analytics, business intelligence, and uh, ad optimizations. We essentially help them collect, connect their uh their ad investments to operational outcomes at the dealership and basically optimize the efficiency of their ad spend. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you could throw a bone or two our way anytime you happen to have one. Just <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there to start things <laughs> off. Is, uh, Jeff at We're looking to op- optimize our advertising <laughs> yeah, expenditure really. as well. There you hey, go. hey, hey, y'all, y'all got my contact info. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There you go, Send Jeff. Send me a note. Yeah, exactly. So uh, really wanted to kind of talk to you today about uh, 
the chip shortage, the microchip shortage. We did a story earlier. I don't know whether you were listening or not, but did a story earlier about the severity, and it keeps getting worse as we go forward. And uh, the story this week is the fact that they're shutting down more and more assembly plants because they don't have the microchips to put into the computers that go in the cars. Some uh, manufacturers are actually uh, shipping cars without certain microchips in them just to say that, hey, you want the car, we got the car for you, you're going to have to bring it back to us so we can install it once we get the chip, but here's the car. I mean, it, things are going crazy. They're laying off thousands and thousands of assembly workers, shutting down plants, especially in the next couple of weeks in particular, and you know that that list is going to continue to grow. And I kind of made mention of the fact when we were talking about it is that you know consumers really, I don't think, know exactly how it's going to affect them. But anybody that's in the market for a new car in the months ahead, really beginning now... May very well pay more. They're going to yep. pay... Yeah, and that our guess is they're going to have to pay more. And the availability, you're not going to be able to go to the dealership and order a car. Or you might not have the options on a car that is available and you really want that car. Exactly. So give us your take on it. Yeah, I think, you know, this is... This is another rolling impact of a pandemic that's creating like shifts in human behavior globally. And uh, my neighbor is a uh, he's a uh, IT specialist in aviation, um, cybersecurity, and whatnot, and uh, avid gamer. And we were talking about it the other day, and. You know, the the amount of people that are moving into home offices, working from home, uh, the demand for just graphics cards at scale, right? It's fundamentally changed the entire ecosystem. It's impacting aviation. It's impacting automotive. Um, and it's going to continue for some time, right? I think dealerships that we work with have felt the supply pinch uh, a couple times already, right? With with plant shutdowns because of the virus and a whatnot. year ago, right? And 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 so they're getting fairly comfortable with it in the sense that, you know, consumers have been paying MSRP for cars for 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 close to a year now, right? Because there has been shortages. Um, I think you, 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 you see this shortage impact for, for quite some time to come, though, just because, you know, there's such an exodus now from big cities. You, you guys feel it in Texas, right? Like all of the tech boom that's happening in Austin now because all everybody's these folks leaving in San California realize they don't need to be there anymore, right? Yeah, we just hope they leave their voting habits in California. <laughs> but that's a different show altogether. Yeah, that's a different well, program. But you, you mentioned this, <laughs> that the transition of uh, people going ho to work at home and their need for a better graphics package, the same number of chips are being produced. They've just switched what they're building with them, dropping the automotive industry to a large degree and pushing that uh, home computer, laptop, uh, gaming, device, gaming, gaming system. device, that that's where the chip production has moved to. Well, well, that and then you think about, I mean, it, it would be impressive to see 
Zoom's server capacity needs today versus what it was a year ago. Right, ago, right, right. right? Yep. Uh, Google, Amazon's server capacity needs. You know these guys are scaling up right. in a massive way with all of the communication that's moved into this sort of uh, virtual space. And so, need the hardware uh, to support that. Yeah, and it probably dwarfs the the demand on the on the consumer side, but but that rolling impact is going to happen everywhere, right? And 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 it's more impactful the automotive industry now because of how much computing power is in every car that's produced. And in the consultant work you're doing, do you find that a lot of new car dealers are depending more on their used car operations for profitability because their new car operation is kind of tightened up a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, the most nimble dealers are following the market, you know, on a day-by-day supply-demand basis. And they're looking to essentially hedge the business on the used side uh, constantly. Which is... which yeah, is go good. Ahead. Which is good for the consumer because it's driving demand for used cars up, which in turn should be driving prices paid for used cars up uh, as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and you know the the other piece that's driving the used car market right now is just you know the average price for a new car now has gone upwards of forty thousand dollars. Right. And so the used car market's going to expand um, significantly over the coming years. I mean, you, there's a reason and a lot of research behind why Carvana and Vroom and all of these guys are seeing the explosive growth that they are, right? And all of that disruption is happening because, you know, the majority of buyers, everyday blue-collar workers uh, raising a family, would much rather buy a low mileage used car and get a little more bang for their buck, right? Right. So uh, it's 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 all coming. I think that um, we have yet to see the ultimate outcomes of of what the new reality looks like. Yeah. Uh, but dealers are hedging. I mean, they're 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 nimble. They're a nimble business sector. Um, they've 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 figured out how to remain operational even through full lockdowns. Right, we were pivoting our car dealers into like home delivery, fixed operations, turning wrenches, and picking up and delivering cars. Right, so it's 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 been a little bit of an adventure, but uh, but the dealers are definitely surviving it quite well, and most of them saw all time profits last year. And, and they they've had to adapt to the new market. And it seems like they've done a very, very good job. And some of them have tried some things that have worked spectacularly. Some of them have laid a couple of eggs and then transitioned to other things that people are working. So with the way dealerships, everybody tries something a little bit different. And then they follow those those components of the business that work well for them. The automotive uh, industry is always pivoting in some direction. Correct. Correct. Mike, I have to tell you that I did talk to a general manager. He runs uh, actually three or four brands out of uh, different uh, stores, storefronts. And I asked him, I said, so uh, I know that the, the, the chip thing is really hurting your business. I said, so what is that you're that you're actually really dealing with? He says, I am buying every single car that I can buy right now, new and used. 
So every, he, there's a huge demand that he, as a dealer, has. Just for inventory. Just for inventory of any kind or type. Uh, I mean, he'll buy anything pretty much. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the uh, the opportunity there is tactile, right? Like um, when the the demand goes up the way it has, right, you see auction prices get pretty heavily inflated oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. So dealers who are smart and making data-driven decisions are always looking at, okay, if I don't have cars to sell, how do I pivot my ad budgets into a place where I can reach out to my my existing customer base and ask to buy their car back from them, right? Because over the last year, dealers have been able to give people top dollar for their trades and still be buying that car from le for less than what they could buy it on the wholesale market. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So it's, it's, it's an interesting paradox. And, you know, manufacturers, dealers are all adjusting to more data-driven business because of this. Frankly, dealers actually don't mind having less stock because in many ways it allows their negotiation process to be a lot easier, right? They make more margin. They have a happier customer because the customer understands that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking what I can get with limited supply. And, and um, lower cost because they're not carrying such a financial uh, finance burden as well. On their floor plan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, you're also seeing innovation that's, that's changing the business, right? Um, say what you will about Carvana and Vroom. I know, like, the dealership community was not super happy about the, the Vroom Super Bowl ad, if you saw it. Yep. Uh, but, you know, in the bigger picture, I look at it as evolution of the industry, right? These guys are disrupting. And they're forcing dealers to, to, to sort of move and, and, and face the reality that, hey, if we eliminate friction for the customer, they might actually just buy the car with less brain damage and back and forth. Yeah. Uh, most dealers that have moved to that sort of Carvana style model of home delivery of a vehicle, uh, online purchasing are actually realizing 20, 30 percent increase in their gross margins and you know, the customer's happier, they're happier, the customer's more amped to come back for service. Uh, so the net effect has been positive for both consumer and retailer. Yeah, the, the old days of uh, you pull into the dealer parking lot and somehow somebody parks some car behind you and you right. go up to the showroom floor and you get a trade bid and you get like three TOs and they can't bring your used car back from the trade bid because they lost the keys. That's not the business model today. <laughs> the business model today is how do I serve the customer and make them want to come back and do business with me in the future? And that is very much of a model change over five, ten years ago. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know what dealers are realizing right now is that despite the disruption that the the, the online aggregators, Carvana, Room, Carmax, Carlots, etc., um, outside of that disruption, right? If the dealer is able to basically address four things, brand right? You've got to make this brand impact on a customer that's not, you know, screaming out front in the car lot with my inflatable gorilla, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you look at Carvana and you look at Vroom, they're well-branded, they're well-marketed, right? You address those two things. Right. 
The others are fairly easy, right? You eliminate friction with the customer buying experience and, and, and give, give, give what they want, right. right? What a lot of dealers don't realize is time is the most valuable commodity to the shopper, right? And if you save them time, they'll pay you more money. Amazon's proven that to us, right? We pay 10 bucks more for the same product on Amazon Prime because we can get it in two days delivered to our doorstep. And then lastly, right, start making data-driven decisions. The biggest publicly traded dealer groups in the country, the Group Ones, the Asburys of the world, right? Yeah, the they're sun, making yeah. data-driven decisions about their business every day, and they're moving to super serve that customer. You do that, as a dealership, you're better equipped to bring a test drive to that customer's door and maybe two or three in a single day and pick up that car and service it and bring it back to them. So I think the dealer community is going to survive the disruption. Um, but but net effect, right, is is a really bright future for, for the automotive industry and, and for the shopper as well, right? It's really going to make it a lot easier uh, to buy a car, trade a car, finance a car, et cetera. And as the car business goes, kind of the economy goes, you know, uh, as they're making those changes, because I'm going to go all the way back to uh, September 11th of 2001. Um, General Motors, shortly after that, came out with no interest financing and yep. kind of, without a doubt, helped the automobile industry get back on its feet as well as the American economy. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, there was the old adage, as goes Ford, so goes the nation, right? So I'm an old um, GM guy, so I'll, I'll and say And that's GM. true with that's true with <laughs> that's true with GM too. And I'm I'm glad you are because that's where I was pivoting, right? Um one of the things that you really see right now that's gonna be interesting over the coming ten years is really GM's commitment to move their entire fleet into EVs, right? Um yeah, ho hopefully we'll have enough power to, to charge all of them, but that's another story. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But, uh, you know, with, with, with those moves, right, um, the industry is going to tackle a whole new challenge, which will be tactile to you guys, which is, you know, when you've got basically an electrical skateboard, um, how do you maintain the Americana romance of wrenching on a car, making it your own, et cetera. That's right? a good analogy. Um, yeah, and there's there's a fine balance to be struck there. You know, Porsche did a decent job with that new, um, with the new Taycan. Taycan, right. But, uh, but, and Mustang Mach-E. You're going to see a lot of successes and failures in that space over the next 10 years. I can assure you it'll be an interesting I game. So. And again, Tesla being the disruptor. Because Tesla, Tesla being the big disruptor, right. yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm a car guy. I'm around the business. Tesla's, uh, Tesla's a force to be reckoned with. And they, they and, operate within their own business model that's very much outside of the retail dealership. Uh, 100%. And one of the things people don't realize about Tesla is half of the value and unique element of Tesla is that behind the manufacturing and retail operation is a one end-to-end -end software platform that makes data-driven decisions on everything from production line to retail to recalls, Colors, you yeah. name it. It's, it's, it's an impressive model and, and 
and and one that definitely has the attention of GM and all the other major manufacturers. Matt Copley, it is great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Can we hire you here for consultation on the In Wheel Time show? <laughs> I'd, I'd love to come back anytime you have me, uh, and I'll keep listening on YouTube and uh, catching up with what you guys are doing down in H Town. Well, thanks, thanks so much, and uh, we uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Get another update from you. Thanks great. again. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Matt Copley is with a company called Pure Cars. Good interview. What a yeah, great, that yeah, was fun. good, good yeah. information. All right, uh, time now for this week in auto history. And, uh, you know, this period of time that we're living in right now is going to go down in, in, automotive. in automotive history, uh, not only w- with, the, uh, w- with the pandemic that we're trying to get out of, still dealing with that, but also uh, this huge problem with uh, microchips and automotive manufacturing. I mean, it's, it's a big time in yep, the auto yep, industry. So. All right, auto history. So, uh, Jeffrey, if you'll uh, run the... Run the video for me. Um, this week in automotive history, in 1920, Hold on. I gotta, I, Walter P. Chrysler resigned as executive vice president in charge of automotive operations at General Motors. So there are a lot of inter-business uh, relationships early on. So Walter was a VP at General Motors and then peeled off and started Chrysler Motor Company. Uh, in 1926... <laughs> There we go. Stay there, Jeff. Yeah, I'm working in, in 1926, the Ford Motor Company renamed the massive River Rouge facility uh, in De- in Detroit, well, Dearborn, to the Fordson plant. Well, that really didn't stick very well, and uh, Ridge, River Rouge has become synonymous with Ford's history. But you have to look at how smart Henry Ford was. At this River Rouge plant, they delivered iron ore. Yep. He had his own foundry. The foundry, parts of the heat created in the foundry were used to do steam generation for his own electrical generation facility there on property. So they they built a car from iron ore to wheels and tires on the ground all in this one campus. And they also formed glass for the windshields there. Uh, Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I live live 30 minutes from there. I have been there, and the property is massive. And today, that's what it looks like kind of today. But uh, I will tell you that there is still plenty of room on the property to to do more stuff stuff because they don't do all of that stuff there anymore. And, And this Red River, River Rouge, was kind of, you know, back then, uh, environmental concerns weren't as great as they are big today. Time. Big time. So that was kind of why the river was turned red, because of all this iron ore iron that ore. was being dropped off. It was near Wyandotte, and I used to work at Great Lake Steel. Okay. Oh, okay. So the, the reason I show this picture is now they've become so environmentally aware is they have grass growing on the roof of their plant to because they know it does a better job of dealing with some of the water buildup. So... Uh, and then in 1932, Henry, Le- Henry Martin Leland, who was the founder of Cadillac, Yay. was also the founder of Lincoln. He passed away in Detroit at age 89. In 1952, on this, uh, this week, the one millionth Jeep was produced. And in 1939, the American Bantam Car Company submitted the original design for a troop transport vehicle. But in 1952, uh, uh, in 1949, they switched to production, uh, uh, consumer production. In 1954, stockholders in the Nash Kelvinator Corporation and Hudson Motor Car approved a merger of the two 
companies, which would later form American Motors Corporation that was recognized as the most successful post-war independent manufacturer. In 1983, on this day, uh, the Pentagon awards uh, production contract worth more more than $1 billion to AM General Corporation to produce 55,000 high-mobility, multi-purpose wheeled vehicles, or the Humvee, uh, that started purely as a military contract, eventually became a consumer product that was uh, bought up by General Motors and then ended up with the Hummer. But this this being the H1, the H1 uh, that was also sold as a con- as a consumer product in 2005. John DeLorean uh, passed away uh, from a stroke in a uh, the in a Summit, New Jersey hospital at age. I was 80. waiting for you to say in a DeLorean. In a DeLorean. <laughs> uh, on, in 2008, on this day, Ford Motor Company announced the sale of Jaguar and Land Rover divisions to the Tata Group one of Indians' oldest and largest business conglomerates, uh, for some $2.3 billion. And Ford sold it for about half of what they paid for it uh, a few years earlier. I think if it were me, I would have renamed the company something other than Tata's. I know that group. Just saying. I'm a fan of Tata's. I know that you are. And that is this week in automotive history. (laughs) Yay. Well... Cost-cutting at Fiat's factories in Italy has led to cuts in cleaning services and the number of toilets available to workers, according to unions. Carlos Taveras, CEO of Stellantis, the new group formed in January from the merger of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and the PSA Group, has said that production costs at factories in Italy are up four times more than in the automaker's plants in France or Spain. Taveras has said the automaker will not cut jobs or close plants, but he has promised more than $500.94 billion per year in savings following the merger. David Provenzano, or David as it were, of the FIM union said Stellantis was taking action at its Mirafiori plant in Turin where it builds the new Fiat 500 full electric car by reducing the amount of toilets available to workers, cutting cleaning shifts and temperatures, I don't know how you cut the temperature, but I guess you lower it. Turn the air conditioning off. And reorganizing transport facilities. Stellantis declined to comment by wiping away the spokesperson's availability for this story. Wiping away? Well, they were... Putting ching, a little pun intended there, Don. You are such a wordsmith. There's other words for that. There are other words. Whoops. Or, anyway. We've lost our minds. We... Well, a long <laughs> again, time ago. Again. It's 7.50 this morning. <laughs> again. All right. Uh, well, that is it for uh, this portion of the In Wheel Time Car Show. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with uh, the other portion of the show right after a quick break. But I want you to pay attention to the Loopy Tortilla Tailpipes and Tacos commercial. Something new. That I am about to play, because um, it is something new. And I talked to Stan Holt, the proprietor, the founder of Loopy Tortilla this week. He had a long conversation. And uh, so he wants to spread the joy. So listen to this. The Tailpipes and Tacos monthly cruise in has become so popular, you'll be able to attend at more locations. Enjoy fabulous Houston car culture at any of the four participating Loopy Tortilla Tex-Mex restaurants. Tailpipes and Tacos will be held in Tomball at Highway 249 near 2978, Bay Area Boulevard near the Gulf Freeway in Webster, the Grand Parkway just south of I-10 and Katy, and the Kirby location 
location off the Southwest Freeway. Tailpipes and Tacos is the place to enjoy made-to-order breakfast tacos, fresh coffee, and awesome cars. Mark your calendar for Saturday, April 17th for the next Tailpipes and Tacos at one of the four participating Loopy Tortilla Mexican restaurants, 8 to 11 a.m. Tailpipes and Tacos is free and everyone is invited. See collector cars, hot rods, customs, originals, and resto mods. Cars from all over Southeast Texas cruise in and show off in this friends and family event. Start your Saturday off right at Houston's hottest cruise in. Tailpipes and Tacos, April 17th, 8 to 11 a.m. Participating loopies are located in Tomball, Katy, West University, and Clear Lake. April 17th, in real time, we'll be broadcasting from the West University location on the Southwest Freeway, weather permitting. Is your business or company looking to stand out in a crowded advertising market? Looking to reach the real auto enthusiast? You found it. You're listening or watching In Wheel Time, and so are your fellow enthusiasts. The In Wheel Time Car Show now reaches half a million, and we can put together a marketing plan that will engage them in your product, business, or service. To get the tires rolling, just shoot us an email to our marketing director, Jeff Zekin. His address is Jeff at nwheeltime.com. If you're in charge of your company's small, medium, or large business anywhere in the U.S., let the On Hold Company help you retain customers and promote your business on your telephone system. Promote special sales or company info when placed on hold. The On Hold Company provides custom on hold messages with professional male or female voices, licensed background music with no long-term contract, no monthly recurring bill, and updates your messages as needed. Call the On Hold Company at 713-223-HOLD or go Go to onhold.net. That's it for this podcast episode of the In Wheel Time Car Show. I'm Don Armstrong, inviting you to join us for our live show every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and our InWheelTime.com website. Podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Keep listening, and we'll see you soon.